Welcome to the Tech Journeys podcast. Today, we're joined by Andrea Angela, Senior Software Developer at Redgate Software in Cambridge. We'll be having a chat with Andrea about his journey through technology, from where his initial interest became to where he is today, talking all about community within the .NET arena, and then moving on to everything regarding personal development. Sit back, relax, hit subscribe if you want to hear about future episodes. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Tech Journeys podcast. Today we are joined by Andrea Angela. Andrea is the one of the senior developers at Redgate Software in Cambridge. He's also one of the founders and speakers at the Cambridge.net user group. We're going to be having a chat with Andrea around his journey through technology from initially becoming interested to where he is today, have a chat about the challenges he's faced, the things he's learned. And then we're going to be talking to Andrea around kind of personal development within the kind of C Sharp and .NET space. So first of all, thank you. Welcome. Thanks thank for you. joining us. Happy to be here. Good, good. How are you doing? You okay? I'm great. Thank you. You? Yeah, good. Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. It's a Friday afternoon. One week left until I finish for Christmas. We'll be wrapping up on the 18th. Quite happy about that. Yeah, we are looking forward for holidays. Yeah, very much so. It's been one of those years. I don't think I've ever needed a break as much as I do this year. <laughs> but no, thanks for joining us. So as I mentioned to you in the chats that we've had, where we usually like to start is where you started, where you maybe first became interested in technology, what kind of interested you and how you ended up taking the career path that you've chosen. So if you want to start at the beginning, Andrea. Yeah, absolutely. So I started when I was eight years old, actually. My father gave me a Casio calculator for as a present because I used to love math and I still love math a lot. And uh, this calculator was programmable. So there was a manual, I read the manual and oh my God, I fell in love with the, with the, with coding immediately. And I started to build like little programs to, you know, to do some math problem. Then immediately started building games for my, my friends at school. So I've done that for quite, quite a few years before even having a computer only on a Casio calculator using BASIC as a, as a programming language. So from when I was eight till about 14, I think, yeah, I mostly coded on a Casio calculator, didn't have a computer until then. But right, okay. I, learned, I basically learned development all on my own, reading my BASIC books on the calculator and building games for my, my friends. That was the way I started. At the time, I didn't have internet connection at home. I only lately got... A connection so i didn't have any any resources for learning and then gradually i mean i i was very passionate about coding so i i immediately set my goal i want to become an engineer and writing code so my my vision was very clear since 30 days right okay you don't get many people who have had the, that that vision from such an early age was your was your father a coder uh, no, my, my father no no wasn't a coder he was a he's a train driver he was a train oh, driver. okay so he just uh, he also liked math as well. So if somehow you know gave me that passion, but I was um, mostly kind of felt in love with coding on my own, just uh, by playing right. with this calculator. I think what I experienced now reflecting back was I got this calculator. I was able to build some some simple game for my friends, and friends were very excited because they were able to to play some little games, and then. They kind of were my customers. So I've done like sort of agile development at the time. Obviously, it wasn't even 
it was like 19 in the 1992 when I started. Agile wasn't even invented, but I was actually doing Agile. My friends were asking for, can you do that? Can you add this little game, little feature there? And I was going home and after school playing and building the games. For life. The following day I was, oh, I've had this, played this level. So I had a lot of fun at the time and kind of learned, enjoy the delivering features yeah. to my friends. My friends were my customer, basically, my, my school friends. Right, so, okay. <laughs> so when did you start to look at things from more of an academic uh, academic point of view then? So you mentioned like building games up until being about 14. Yep. Um, so was there much of it when you got to like high level high level school, like high school? Yeah, exactly. When I, when I went to high school, I basically went to an um, institute that where there was uh, computer science as a, as a discipline. Okay. Uh, so I basically yeah, got an high school, yeah, focused on uh, on a kind of scientific studies and computer science. So at the time, the school was teaching Pascal yeah. and C and C++. So I come across to those languages as well. And on my free time, I was playing with Visual Basic and building some uh, application for some um, local businesses in my in my city where I've grown, like a video library for renting DVDs. I built the website for my city where I, where I was living right so I've always been very very active in, uh, in coding yeah. both in school and outside school and then I moved to university and focused on uh, computer science there bachelor and master degree so your high school offered areas within computer science for you to study as yeah well as were, going on to university yeah it was five years in total the first two years was normal kind of fundamental skills like um, topics and the last three years of high school you could choose between electronics or computer science or mechanic mechanical engineering kind of sort of those sort of i choose computer science that was the time when i was was 16 when i had to make the decision where do i want to move and computer science was obviously my my favorite choice right okay uh, so, when, so there was a lot of coding at school. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so when you went when you went off to university, obviously you mentioned that was when you started looking at Pascal, C, C plus plus. So were you given options which languages to kind of take a look at when you went, or was it a kind of um, a blanket coverage within computer science at that time? We. What do you mean? Sorry. C. So, yeah. So when you went to university, were they the only languages that you learned and then you were learning kind of VB in your own time? Or did you have yeah, options so, to look at different languages at university? Yeah, university focused mostly on C, C++, yeah. and uh, because there was a lot of like low-level programming as well, understanding how computer works, you know, uh, interacting with assembly language as well. But I've always been very, very interested in uh, exploring as many technologies as possible at the time. I pretty much... I was reading books on pretty much every single language available, PHP, Perl, uh, Java, and uh, in, in addition to the one that I teach at university. So I was really kind of expanding my, my knowledge, you know, kind of broadly. Yeah. Only later I decided to focus more on one platform. That's right. something when we can talk about. So why did you, why did you choose C Sharp and .NET? So... That so I did. I, I met the net. Um, so the way, the way it all started was the community. So I was, uh, I think, two years before my graduation, and uh, I was reached out by um, by a developer working with the net that was uh, thinking to set up a community in Tuscany, in Italy, on the net. And I didn't know nothing about the net. I was. Uh, just only starting to be interested. I've seen there was a kind of national blog in Italy where a lot of people were contributing to it with the information about C Sharp. I 
I kind of remember me reading a, a book on Visual Basic mentioned in C Sharp, VisualBasic.net. And then, oh, this language seems interesting. This guy reached me out and then, okay, let's do it. Let's meet up. And then we decided to create a community on C Sharp, even if I didn't know the language much. Just uh, I, it, this guy became my mentor, basically. And uh, I was involved with the community, bring me into the community. And I was basically felt in love with the, how the community were, were basically yeah. involved. I love the language, the way it helped me, the simplicity of the language, the readability, because I had basically experience with pretty much all the languages. When I come across to C Sharp, the code basically looks, looked a lot more you know, readable and simple and it was very productive language in the tooling, the Visual Studio. I was really liking all the productivity that the language and the platform was giving. And obviously having a mentor that can teach you that, that sort of things and help you to see you the benefit of, of the platform was for me very critical as well. And the community and you know, feeling part of something. Yeah. So that is how it all started. And then, uh, so I was involved in the community. I was one of the leaders of the Donet Tuscany community in Italy in 2018 okay, yeah. when we started it. Yeah. But yeah, I basically continued to lead that till 2015, but I decided to move to UK straight after university. Right, okay. Having more opportunities. Right, okay. And then what, what year did you come to the UK, sorry? So I came to the UK 10 years ago, basically, 10, 2000, 10. 2010. Right. Okay. My first job. So you, you came, oh, sorry, you came to university in 2010. Um, so that was when, came to the UK, sorry, in 2010. That was when you left university. Okay. So did you work within a commercial setting, within software development, whilst you were outside of the UK or was it just when you came to the UK? So uh, in Italy, I, I only did some um, kind of part-time job, like sort yeah. of freelancing. So as I said, like I built the web, some websites, I built uh, some desktop application for, for some local businesses. But yeah, I didn't have an actual job in Italy. So I straight from university, I, I decided to, to, to move to UK. But I, I had a big challenge there because my English wasn't actually good at all. Yeah. So it was October 2019. No, 2009, sorry, when I got my degree. And I wanted to work in the UK and uh, I got to learn English. So I did like six weeks fully immersive uh, English course in London with the goal of being able to do an interview. Okay. And I managed, I basically studied English for 10, 10 hours a day for a couple of months. And then I did the interview, I got the job. Right, um, fantastic. And was that uh, with uh, month that after. Was autonomy? That was autonomy at the time. Right. Yeah. Okay. So what, why did you want to come? Why did you want to work in the UK? What was it that appealed to you about the UK tech industry? Uh, yeah, that's a very great question. So uh, I was already by the time uh, my English wasn't good. I was already reading a lot of English books. Most of the documentation materials, unfortunately, still in English to learn uh, technology. But uh, unfortunately, because I've met so many people in the Italian community, there was a kind of a gap in terms of opportunities. And uh, in UK, like. Uh, the possibilities for career growth and uh, uh, salary as well was a lot better than what was in Italy. So right. I said, if I if I have to do a change of country, I need to do it now before you know having a family or something like that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a go and see what happens. I can always come back to Italy whenever I want, right? Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I'm still in UK. Yeah, <laughs> but. Uh, but yeah, so it's a shame because I love my country. I, you know, I, I, I continue to help in, in, with the communities in Italy for at least three years when I moved to UK. But obviously I realized it wasn't actually possible to be able to, you know, to influence yeah. the community from, from the UK. Uh, so yeah, it's also honestly, I also 
the English was a challenge for me as well. I always wanted to learn a, a second language and master it. And I always struggled to learn English. As, you know, I always, always struggle. And right. I wanted the challenge to see if I can find a job. Uh, right, okay. Well, that's some challenge. So yeah. tell me about your first six months then working commercially in the UK as a, as a software developer, having just learned the language. What was that like? Yeah, so when I started, I was, um, I was uh, kind of thinking about joining big companies. That was kind of my goal. I wanted to work in a big company with you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, employees so I can learn and develop the experience was great. I was I was welcomed. I worked on many different projects. I joined as a .NET developer, but there was a lot of other stuff like more more Java technology stuff like that. So I I've been in autonomy for about a year, and uh, I left to move to Citrix for about three years as a, yeah. as a .NET developer. So I even if I I was always curious about other technology, I really wanted to you know work with .NET and C-Sharp on a daily basis. And uh, I also learned like the culture of a company is also very important. It's not just coding that matters. There's a lot more in there, like, you know, colleagues, managers, how the culture of, of the company. I didn't really think about that too much when I started. So that's definitely a recommendation I would give to people. I always, you know, make sure you look beyond the technology you want to use or work, but think about the whole culture, the whole teamwork, how you want to work, what kind of domain you want to work. And I'll just use the technology as a way for choosing choosing a job. So yeah, the, the experience was great because in the first, it, it was great at the same time, uh, it's a difference than what I expected because up until at that point, I was mostly coding on my own. Like since I was eight and I started working when I was 25. So for 17 years, I, I wrote code on my own. Right, okay. So I was very used to write the code and change it and not working in teams was completely different dynamics. I was completely new to that. So that was something I had to adjust. Like, I'm not the only one who code now. The, the size of the code, I'm, the, pro, the, the project I'm working on is way bigger than a single person can, yeah. can manage. Yeah. So that, that was the, the initial challenges I had and uh, when I joined. Okay. So moving on from Citrix then, was it around, did you say around 2017 that you were awarded the Microsoft MVP? Yes, it was 2017, yeah. Yeah, so do you want to just talk me around um, how the award came about? Yeah, so in 2014, 14 or 15, 2015, I joined Redgate. That was uh, obviously a, a match. I changed like, the, um, I joined a company that was smaller for the opportunity to be able to, you know, have a bigger influence and be able to, you know, to shape the direction of the product. So I later on learned that, you know, I much prefer smaller, smaller companies than bigger. And uh, shortly after I started at Gate, I set it up the .NET Cambridge community. Yeah. Uh, because there wasn't, you know, a .NET community in, in Cambridge. I saw, the, you know, I've seen the opportunity and I've started this community, basically doing monthly, monthly meetup, sharing about the .NET and the .NET related stuff. And um, I also started to create a YouTube channel, sharing more about C Sharp and the technology I like. And then Microsoft, you know, Microsoft rewarded me for the for the for the MVP for the contribution of the community and the, the YouTube, the blog, and so on. Right, yeah. fantastic. Okay, um, so tell me a little bit about the community in Cambridge, then the uh, the .NET community that you you manage over there. Yeah, so we are now more than a thousand .NET developers in the okay. area that joined the community. Basically, now five years since we started, it's, it's going great. We are having, yeah, as I said, a meeting every month at the moment, obviously virtual. But you, in the past, we've always been having meetings in uh, in Narragate. 
uh, headquarters in Cambridge. But now we are doing meetings on Zoom. And we basically, what I wanted was, because for me, community has been really the way I all have started. I want to give people the opportunity to speak and present because it's a, it's a skill that is very important for your development because uh, one thing is not learning for yourself and applying what you learn you know, on your own. And one thing is trying to teach that to other people, trying to share. So preparing a talk and giving it to, to, a, to an audience of the net developers for me was an eye-opening uh, experience and I'm trying to help to provide this opportunity to a lot of other people. So there was a lot of people that started public speaking because of the net Cambridge. And they did a first talk on the net at the community and then later even did talk publicly at big, company, at big international conferences as well. So it's a space where everyone can present. It's not just only expert talking, but every member of the community can decide to present and share their knowledge. I strongly believe you know, knowledge sharing is is critical and uh, everyone can contribute to it no matter what's the experience you have you know uh, the level yeah. of skills you have so yeah. that's the space i want to create everyone can contribute and, and attend to help the, com- the community to be better no that's fantastic and i really like that and uh, i can relate to it quite a lot as well so the reason that we're sat doing this podcast right now is we came to the conclusion as a recruitment business we probably know more it professionals than a lot of the IT professionals that we actually deal with on a day-to-day basis. And one of the common themes that comes up quite regularly is we may be speaking to a certain business about a particular problem that they're trying to solve, and that's the reason that they're hiring. But at the same time, because we do this so often, one company can be looking to solve a particular problem, and we know a business that have been through a process of solving that particular problem before, so the, the kind of tech journeys community that we've been looking to build or we're in the process of building at the minute is about bringing people and businesses together to work collectively to solve, common, to solve common problems. And that's the kind of community that we're building at the minute. So I can really relate to that and I really like that. Yeah, um, automatically, as I, as I told you, like, because I've, I've spent a lot of years learning on my own and later on reflecting back, oh my God, I, I didn't know about X. I spent two, yeah. years, two years doing something manually where I could have used X, but I didn't know about X. So yeah. if, you, if you attend communities, you will hear you know, from dif- different people, different experiences. You will definitely have tools to your... You know, to your yeah. Your... So have, have you heard of the, uh, the, the saying, an idea meritocracy? Ideas meritocracy. An idea meritocracy. So basically, it's the yeah. it's the kind of process of taking your idea to ten to twenty different people who have maybe maybe already done a similar thing, and making sure that before you start to do it, you've got the best possible approach oh, to doing it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's Absolutely. very. I, I can see the the value in that massively, especially from a from a technology perspective. You spend so much time kind of building applications and solving problems that. If you were to get the opinion of 20 other people before you started that, it can oh, yeah. massively yeah, speed up delivery, et cetera. Totally. Okay. So last question on your kind of journey through technology then. So what would you say has been your biggest challenge within technology? What's been the, the biggest learning point? Yeah. So there, there are obviously a lot, of, a lot of learnings. But for me, I think probably run, right, uh, right now I'm going through the biggest challenges in the sense that I'm... Um, as a senior engineer, I've uh, kind of mastered the, the technology uh, that I'm using, but now I'm reaching the point where it's not just about me, it's about 
being a force multiplier, basically helping other engineers level up and uh, contribute to the company. So this year, I've, um, I've started this journey. Like I've been a lead software engineer, like replacing another lead engineer when he was uh, on, on sabbatical. And uh, I'm working towards becoming a lead engineer. That means it's sort of like principal engineer in other companies. Yeah. Every company also has different titles, but it's mostly yeah. the the engineer helping to, to you know to mentor the, the other members in the team and also helping to spread engineering across other teams in the in the company. So the biggest challenge for me is trying has been, and I I think this year I managed to successfully overcome this challenge is just stop thinking that it's all about my contribution, but trying to delegate things, trying to trying to mentor more, trying to give opportunities to others, basically, as yeah. well, rather than taking the opportunities myself. And mm-hmm. that's kind of is the, the, the journey I'm at the moment, where I'm trying to transition towards that, the sort of role. Yeah, that's one of them. But the other one is obviously the setting, like I've started a sort of side business product, C Sharp, to help yeah. C Sharp developer grow and develop. We can talk about more about that. That's definitely a challenge for me in terms of you know, setting up a small, small business, basically. Okay. Well, that, that was the, let's move on to the second part of the, uh, of the, the meeting today then. So what we wanted to have a chat was about productive C-sharp and kind of having a look at the areas where maybe people within software engineering could be utilizing themselves better and being able to kind of accelerate their growth and learning which I know is the whole idea around Productive C Sharp. So yeah. t- tell us a bit about Productive C Sharp, first of all. Yeah, so when I, when I became a Microsoft MVP, kind of a, I've seen the, obviously I, I got a boost of confidence because uh, it's, it's a very, very cool award that I was uh, mm-hmm. waiting for, uh, for a while. But uh, immediately my mind went to how can I, you know, help other, you know, developers speed up their journey and knowing especially how long how, how long has been my being alone. So of course one is the Donna Cambridge. So all free, everyone can attend events and stuff like that. And my blog, my podcast, they're all like free resources there. But I wanted to do more, having something where people could like uh, go to a different level. So I, I decided to create a membership site that for for kind of giving giving a space for developers of different skill sets to get together learn from my my expertise so i usually create very short practical videos so there are a lot of free content in the internet but most of the content is long there's a lot of theory well i what i did i just created um maybe i do a research for a topic for hours and i condense everything in five ten minutes with just the, the critical things that you need to learn to be able to practically use the skill but in my particular case mostly c sharp uh, features and donet uh, related stuff so i have like i created a platform with a lot of these videos i produce weekly a weekly newsletter where i put together all the news from the the key news from the donet community in a weekly newsletter for members so they don't have to do like manually what i'm doing like i usually have thousand one two thousand links to look through every week to kind of sort it out and pick the top 10 to 20 news and I share that to members. But also we do mastermind calls on Zoom where we get together and we, we discuss about our journeys, you know, ask questions, help each other out. Basically giving people what I didn't have when I started, having, having immediately a community that can help them. You can ask questions. You have a private group where we can ask questions and get answers. And also they get free licenses from, about, on productivity tools or books they can use for learning, you know, 
speeding up their development. Like there are like a lot of products like Resharper or Rider for, from your brains or PostSharp. They provide licenses for for members to be able to you know to develop faster. So and also they have, get access to me. They can ask me questions privately, and I I try to support them. It's a way for me like to get to the community at the same time and trying to build a, a small business on on the side as well. We are more than 250 members at the moment. Oh, right. Okay. I started that in, in 2018. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, so that's basically <coughs> what, what we are doing. Right. Fantastic. So let, let's have a look at it from a personal development perspective then. So let's look at, let's use an example. Let's say we've got a software developer. They've maybe finished their course at university. They've now got 12 months experience within a business, but they're really they're wanting to push themselves on and um, accelerate their learning, but they're finding things quite difficult. So what kind of advice would you give to somebody with um, a little bit of experience, but someone who really wants to kind of push on and grow? Yeah, for me, the, the biggest advice is, of course, you know, keep learning, try to learn you know, as much as possible, but find a mentor. Okay. Find a mentor that can help you is really critical. For me, everything started to go faster when I, when I found my mentor that at the beginning of my Donet Tuscany experience. So find a mentor can, with a lot more experience than you can really help so much. Do pairing, pair programming with him and actually you know, discuss technology and design with a person. I know it's not easy to do, but if you, if you are part of a company, you can ask colleagues and most of the time, people are willing to help. So yeah. don't be afraid to ask for help and find a mentor because you can, you know, quickly become an experienced developer in that way. That's one of the biggest advice I have. And focus on the fundamentals, basically get to know your languages as best as you can. Don't worry too much about all the faff about latest technology and stuff like that. There is so much, there's so much in this world of technology. There's no way you can learn everything. Yeah. So master the fundamentals, know your language, you know, know how to write, you know, code and, you know, practice and find someone that can help you navigate. That's probably the biggest uh, advice okay. I give. Well, just, just touching on the mentor side, so that's the first time yeah. that somebody's mentioned find a mentor when I've been having these yeah. conversations with people. And again, something that resonates quite well with me. So I'm a business owner myself. And one of the biggest things that has helped me in my journey over the last two years has been the fact that I found a mentor at the very beginning. I do believe it's 10x the way that we've been yeah. able to kind of develop personally and develop the business as well. So where, where did you find a mentor then? Was this somebody from a previous employment or someone from one of your communities? So I had different mentors at different stages of my career. Uh, the first one just came to me magically by email because the guy asked me to, as I said, he's asked me, asked me to if I was interested to set up a community in yeah. Tuscany about C Sharp. And uh, I said yes. So I said yes to the opportunity. I didn't know him much, but we got together and then he became my mentor for for quite a while. I even paid him, to be honest. I'm not, I was not afraid of paying to, to, yeah, to, get, yeah. to, get, to get closer to a person. So I did a lot of mentoring with him for probably a good, uh, all the time I've been uh, in Italy and uh, a couple of years after. So we actually met together like every two weeks or something. We were doing coding together and learning. But then obviously he was in Italy. Then I started to work and I found some mentors in my company. Like when in Regate, I had a couple of people that decided to, you know, to pick as my mentor at the moment, for example, I'm I've I've been mentored by a lead software engineer that's already as is a lead. Every week we get together to learn the skills I need to develop in order to be able to to apply for this for this role. So I always try to reach find people. So if you have someone in the company that you admire that 
you think could help you, just approach him or, or her and um, ask ask if, if you want to help. Maybe every month you can meet, every two weeks you can discuss and uh, put it in a way that you know you want you want to learn and you th- you think the person can help in your career. And most of the time you get a yes. I never got a no, to be honest, when all the time I asked. Yeah, it's not an easy thing to say no to, is it? I, I can see that. I think the barrier is asking. You're afraid to ask. You yeah, think yeah, like, definitely. Yeah. A lot of people are um, quite shy in nature as well. It's um, And I find that within technology, people were, could be a little bit more reluctant to do something like that because yeah. it's not necessarily in their nature, as opposed to a salesman or something like that who would... Yeah. Who would, and the other aspect is like asking for a mentor doesn't mean that you're not skillful, right? Like sometimes you feel if you're asking for help, you, you are not... You're not professional. I don't know what would you, some people might be thinking. Oh, if I ask for a mentor, it means I can't learn on my own. I'm not able to learn. Like you know, this sort of confidence talk you have with yourself, but it's not true. Like as I said, you can't learn everything. You need to learn from others. Yeah, it's, you can't avoid that. You can't avoid that. Okay. Yeah. So, do you think there are any um, any common mistakes that people make, which may be holding them back, on, apart from kind of not? trying to bring on a mentor or are there any kind of common themes that you see within software development that hold people oh, back? Oh, yes. The first one that came to mind is when you start to become more like experienced and you maybe start reading books about some patterns and, you know, some way of structuring your code, there is a tendency of over-engineering that people okay. want to, to basically create complex solutions because they've learned about these patterns, they want to apply them. They feel like it will help the product. But it's one of the, it's part of my learning is you have to do that phase. You need to pass through that phase. But when you, at the other side is you realize that all of these patterns, all of these techniques are just a tool for you to, to write code. And uh, at the end of the day, what matters is simplicity and readability. So I found myself, so the, the, my warning is not, don't worry too much about trying to learn all about all the possible patterns and best practices you can how you can write your code just use your common sense to write the simplest possible code that works that is readable other people can understand and maintain instead of you know over engineering stuff so there's a lot of value in simplicity and i think that's my my advice try to make keep things simple it's hard because simplicity is hard it's not it's not easy but keeping your code simple readable is really something I would definitely encourage people, developers to do. And they unfortunately tend to go on the other side of over engineering and architecting too much, making the project harder to understand, other people join the team harder to, you know, start contributing to the project. So yeah. unless there is a need that the domain is intrinsically complex, then obviously you need to have, you, you, there is complexity in the problem. But most of the time you can find simple solution to problems and, and uh, it's better for everyone. So right. that's one. Okay, any others? Other stuff is, um, that is one of the barriers for entries, the acronyms. There's so many acronyms, uh, acronyms, yeah. And because we tend, to, we tend to like giving names to pattern and a lot, of, a lot of stuff. And I can see that as a bit of a barrier for someone new. Yeah. They hear all this terminology and they get confused. So that's why, also, that's why I said a mentor can help. But try not to be too scared about people mentioning acronyms sometimes you might have not come across to that kind of way of mentioning the things but you already have experience on that but you feel you don't know the things because you never actually researched that but you may be already using 
So I don't know if I expressed that that well, but in the sense that there's so much, so much stuff out there that you can feel overwhelmed about wanting to learn everything. You know, otherwise yeah. you're not you're not a senior engineer. That's not true. I think something I had to learn not to deliberately stop worrying about being always at the cutting edge. Yeah. In the sense of, I don't have to learn all the technologies. If you, if my project doesn't need a technology. It's no point for you to learn it unless you really, you know, you really want to become an expert on that one and change job. Yeah, yeah. To work with that technology. There's no need to learn that technology. Just try to be pragmatic, learn what you need on the job and master the fundamentals. So, those right, okay. No, great advice. So, you, you mentioned that you've got a few things that you'd, you'd kind of, a few notes that you wanted to run through. Are there any bits and pieces that we've not been through? Or? Yeah, as I, as I said, well, well, yeah, one, one of the things I have is um, in our industry, there is, uh, there's a lot of job titles, right? A junior yeah. engineer, mid-level, senior, principal, leader, whatever. There's so many different kinds of things. I used to worry too much about this, all these things, especially when I was a junior engineer. The label really can hold you back. Yeah. Thinking you are, a, oh, I'm a junior engineer. I've just started. I mean, I was coding since I was eight, but I, I was thinking about I was a junior because I just started a job now. By comparing yourself to others, and thinking you as a junior hold me back. So yeah. only when I joined a company where the title didn't matter, so at the time when I joined Reggae, there was no title for software engineers. There were only software engineers. So the yeah. title yeah. problem disappeared. And then I stopped thinking myself as a junior. I could unleash myself and do the best job I can do. And that's where things start to be great for me because I was the title was holding me back somehow. Like, yeah, so yeah. Stop thinking yourself. If you're a junior developer, it's in your title. Forget about that. Don't worry about it. Just act and do the best you can do, and things will will happen. So, don't be too focused on uh, on on that. And also, stop comparing too much with other people. Compare only to your with yourself. Yeah. So, how can you do better? How can you be better tomorrow than what you are today? So, what can what have you learned today? At the end of the day, you ask yourself, what have you learned today? If you've learned something, you're doing a great job. Uh, right. Hopefully, in a direction that you want to want to go yeah. to but fantastic advice yeah really good okay um so final question then before i let you go what would you say is the biggest um if, sorry if you could change one thing within the technology industry what would it be i think the the community aspect so a lot of in uh, in the software development world i think there is still this st- stereotype that you need to on your own get into get into it the, the people there's a lot of developers that don't they're not even aware there are communities around yeah so i think one of the things i would change in trying to spread even more what i'm trying to do as well is spread even more the power of communities both inside companies and outside and stop thinking that you yeah basically improving communities is for me is the things i, I would like to see more i would like to see communities that are more uh, open to diversity and getting more people in in the industry and helping you know learn and find a job. So I want to see more of these sort of um, environments and trying to influence people to to actually go and attend communities. As you said, kind of overcome that imposter syndrome issue and um, reluctant to to go with other talk with other people. Like software developers always been like, oh no, the hacker on, on the computer coding. But it doesn't need to be that. I want to see software developers be it is it's a it's a team sport. I want that's what should happen even when you learn. And uh, I want to see more of that community right. kind of getting together and helping people level up and 
yeah, that, that's for me is uh, probably one, one of the things I would like to see more. I think we are going to that direction. There's a lot of community coming up, especially yeah. with .NET. Uh, Microsoft started the .NET Foundation. There is a lot more than 200 communities around the, world, around the world. You can start your own community as well. There's nothing stopping you to do it. If in your town there isn't a community on the technology you want to, to learn and master, yeah. create a community. That's a fantastic opportunity for you to you know, step up and, uh, and learn more. Okay, no, that's good. Well, hopefully the uh, the contribution that we're looking to make will be a, a nice little a nice little side to that as well, which is fantastic, and it's really good to hear that. Okay, brilliant. Well, really, really great having you on. Thank you for uh, taking the time to join Thank us you today. For having me. So we'll leave it there for now, and I'll catch up with you again soon if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much. No problem. Thanks, Andrea. Thank you. See ya. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed that. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you're notified of any future conversations with leading technology managers. If anyone would be interested in coming on the podcast, feel free to reach out at sean, S-E-A-N, dot R-A-J-N-I-S, at progress-talent.com.